I'm going to invite you to power on a, your Bible, or if you brought one with you, turn to Luke chapter 2, and I'm eventually going to get uh, to Luke 2. But I, I'm going to be honest with you. Christmas is literally my favorite season, my favorite worship service, the Christmas Eve service of the entire year. Uh, don't tell Easter, Christmas Eve is my favorite. And, and I think it's like the wonder of it all. You know, growing up as a kid, there was nothing better than, than Christmas morning. I'll never forget the Christmas 1989 when I got the 1989 Upper Deck baseball card collection, the entire set. I cracked that thing open to see the Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card inside immediately devaluing the entire set, but I still don't care. Some of you can remember those moments. And then as parents or grandparents, you got to that age where Christmas just wasn't about receiving something. It was about being grateful and remembering to be generous and give something, getting to see your kids' eyes as they uh, are, you know, get to see how much you care for them during the Christmas season. I'll never forget when my oldest son was about four years old and I gave him a Buzz Lightyear he'd been waiting for. And he was like, Buzz Lightyear! You know, I can still hear the voice in my head. And I was like, man, there's nothing better than being able to care for someone and love them the way that they uh, would receive it. And that, to me, is what Christmas is really all about. In fact, I believe that our Heavenly Father, the main message of Christmas is that he cared enough about you that he wanted you to uh, understand and know him in a way you probably think that you can't. I I really think we, uh, the reason I love Christmas so much when you get theologically down to it is I think we undersell Christmas big time. I mean, the whole concept is that God is Emmanuel. He was born into the world, that he came to be fully God, fully human, to be with us in whatever it is that we're facing. It's a powerful message that should transform our lives. And that's what I want to look at together. In fact, I believe you get into the entire story of the Bible and you go back into the Old Testament, when God created us in the very beginning, the only thing that was very good, the pinnacle of his creation was what? Humankind. Everything else was just kind of good, but when he got to humankind, it was very good. And yet we celebrated and were grateful for that by rebelling against God. And he didn't give up. He pursued them. And he told the Israelites, you'll be my people and I'll be your God. Your descendants will be as many as the sand on the seashore. And what did they do? They rebelled against him and ran away from him. And so he sent the prophets that, hey, don't forget, come back to me, follow me. And they still didn't listen. So he sent his only son into the world, Emmanuel, God with us, so that we might know the depth of his love. That's what I want to look at together. Look at the birth of Jesus as we retell the Christmas story in Luke chapter two. Are you ready to study God's word together, church? Come on. These are powerful words that have been passed down for two millennia so that we could all read this together. It says this, in those days, Caesar Augustus, a real Roman emperor, you could still go to his tomb in Rome, issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. You will probably never remember that governor, but he oversaw the province at the time. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. I'm going to assume by attending a Christmas Eve service that you at least have somewhat of a familiarity with the story of the birth of Jesus. 
Now, we have people every week who uh, maybe you're atheist or agnostic. Maybe you're just American and really busy. Some of you, you grew up in a different faith background. We have people who came from a Muslim background or Buddhist or Hindu background. And today, I want to talk to you about why I'm a Christian and why I believe it to be the one true means to eternal life and why you should put your trust and your faith in him. And it begins here in this passage by talking about this prophetic thing that was to happen. He was supposed to be the Messiah, which in Hebrew was just anointed one. The Greek word for anointed one was Christ. It means the same thing. That they had been waiting for generations for the Messiah to give them their land back. It was tough times in Israel. They had lost everything to superpower after superpower. And the latest one in charge is the Romans. And they're crying out to God. And the Messiah was to come from the line of David, their greatest king. And so it turns out that Joseph, who was a teenager, along with his teenage fiance, had been told that they were going to have a child. And that they were going to go to Bethlehem and it was going to be born there because that was from where David was. And it says they went up there because it was elevated. If it's a small town, you could still go there outside Jerusalem in an elevated environment. So you actually went up to it. Verse five, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were really excited and slapped high fives with each other. No, they were terrified. Every time God shows up in the Bible, people are in awe of the wonder of it. And so in this moment, when they hear from God, both Mary and Joseph, and now the shepherds as well, the the people that God chose to tell his plan for the redemption of humanity to, from the very beginning, were a couple of teenagers and some shepherds outside tending their flock. And I want to talk about why that is. And the short of it is this, since the beginning of time, since he created humankind and humanity rebelled against him, he has been pursuing us and pursuing us and pursuing us. And maybe some of you are like me, you have done this to God for a really long time. And I want to tell you, he is pursuing you and will continue to pursue you and pursue you until your very last breath. Maybe some of you have been Christian for 50 plus years and you feel distant from God this afternoon and Christmas has become more about other extravagances than it is about the birth of the Savior of the world. I want you to know that he is pursuing you. To the college student in here that's just home with mom and dad for the weekend, I want you to know that God is pursuing you and knew you would be here or attending online in this moment. If you're here this morning and you came with your whole extended family, there's 20 or 30 of you, I want you to know every single human life in this room, God is pursuing you because the depth of his love is so great. That's what I want to break down. Will you pray with me? God, I want to begin uh, this Christmas season just by acknowledging your presence in the room with us right now. God, that you have been uh, speaking to us, whether I've heard you, whether we've heard you or not, you have been speaking to us and pursuing us since we were born. And so I pray, Jesus, that this afternoon you might speak to us in a way that we would actually hear you. 
that you would let the scales fall off our eyes, so to speak, that we'd be able to see what you're doing in our life. We acknowledge your presence. We thank you so much that you loved us. And now, God, speak to us about how to live for you in our own lives. We worship you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's family said, amen. Amen. You know, I think the depth of God's love is tremendously great for every single human being in here. You were all created in the image of God, and he loves you with a depth of a love that we can't even comprehend. In fact, if I ask you, like, what's the greatest form of love that you can think about that you've experienced or seen? I imagine for some of you, when you think about love, you think about, like, romantic love, right? You saw that someone, you connected eyes, you started feeling little butterflies and feelings for one another. I remember the first time that I met my wife, I was in line at TJ Maxx, and the sparks flew a little bit. It took some time, but eventually went on our first date. And after our first date, this is a true story, I went home and I wrote a song about her eyes. And I'm going to sing it for you right now. That definitely is not happening, but it, it did. It did happen at our wedding. That's a true story. Because love, when you're in love, man, the world will stop in a moment. And some of you are like, you wrote a song about a girl after the first date? That's the creepiest thing I've heard all week, right? I, the, the reality is love changes things, makes you think differently, look differently. But I would argue that actually that's not the greatest form of love you've probably experienced. In fact, in the Bible, the romantic love, there is a little bit of the analogy of that we're the bride of Christ and that he comes to fulfill our life. And like, that is in scripture, absolutely. But the other analogy God uses is not the love of a, a couple with one another, but the love between a father or a mother, a parent, and their child. All throughout the New Testament, it talks about the depth of the father's love for us, that we were created in the image of God. And if you surrender your life over to Jesus, you share as a son or a daughter the depth of his love for you. And even in the Old Testament, it uses the analogy, because God isn't like a gender, right? Like in the Old Testament, it even says that it's like a mother brings its, a hen brings its chicks together. It's like a parent to the child, the depth of his love for you. Now, some of you know how a mom loves a kid, don't you? You've heard the story about like the mom that would, if their kid was in trouble, they physically would turn over a car to save the child's life. Any moms out there, you can uh, be with that a little bit. You would do anything. The rest of you hate your children, apparently. It's just, just kidding. No, most of us, right? Like dads out there, man, I would do anything, anything for my kids. If it meant helping them in their time of need. Do you realize that your heavenly father loves you way more than any human parent ever could? So when I say that we've undersold the Christmas story, like I really mean it. Like we don't understand how much God is pursuing us and he loves us. Flip over a car, he is not of a natural order. He does not have natural strength. He has supernatural strength. He supersedes nature itself. That whatever you are in need of, that he is outside of time and he is all-knowing and all-powerful and willing and desires to help you, whatever it is that you're facing. That's really the message of Christmas, 
that he came to demonstrate his love. And I want to show you as we break down the first Christmas story, as we talk about the birth of Jesus. If you're taking notes, I want to talk about how to experience the love of Jesus this Christmas Eve. And the first point I want to make is this. He, Jesus, came for you. We think that he like came for other people, but I want to tell you today that, that he came for you right where you are. Look at verse eight with me. And their shepherds were living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, I always love this. When you're actually absolutely terrified of something, what is the last thing that's gonna help you not be afraid? If somebody tells you, don't be afraid, <laughs> right? And what do they do? So this says they're terrified and the angel says to them, uh, don't be afraid. It's cool. Don't worry about it. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the well-behaved church-attending people. For all people. Now, we'll talk about it in a moment. It's going to require a response that, that if we are unwilling to receive the gift that, that Christ has given for us, if we're unwilling to submit ourselves over to him as Lord, then we're not really receiving that gift. But what he's saying here is that this came for every single person, anybody willing to receive it. And so if you're here today and you didn't grow up around Christianity or you rebelled against God much of your life, he came and it was good news for all people, for the broken people in here, the hurting people, the people, this is the first Christmas you've been through without a loved one. For the people who have a broken relationship that occurred this last year. For the people in the room that are on their last leg financially. For the people in the room who feel like social outcasts. Think of this just for a second. So he comes and he, he's going to be born to this teenage couple. But secondly, who are the first people that he announces the news of the birth to? The shepherds. Who were like the social outcasts. They were kind of like the Michigan football fans in a room, like, too much? No. Uh, you know, whatever. I would say Purdue fans, but we're in Indiana. You all hate me then. So uh, the reality is that they, these were the people who lived outside the town, that lived with the animals, that weren't just blue collar, like they were the completely impoverished. They, had, they were the social outcasts. And these are the people he's like, hey, I want you to go into town and, and you're going to get a chance to meet the savior of the world. That's who he announced the birth to. It's good news that caused great joy for all the people. In verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah anointed one, the Lord. He chose to present himself to the shepherds and the outcasts. Why? Well, you know, when I, I, always, I only tell this story at Christmas time. A number of years ago, I was uh, like 20-some years ago. I was in London, England. So I'm in my early 20s. I was there. I went to this place called Speaker's Corner. It's a place where on a certain day of the week you can go and literally people stand on a soapbox and they will just talk and teach about whatever anybody's willing to listen to. You can find all different philosophies and religions and different political parties represented there. And I remember there was these two young, uh, well-spoken gentlemen that day who were Muslim. And they were talking about why they weren't Christian. They said, how could I believe that the all-powerful, all-knowing God of the universe became a little baby boy who need cared for? And they even used the phrase, had to have his own diaper changed. 
And I walked away, I've thought of this for 20 years, so encouraged in my faith. Because I realized that was the very reason I was a follower of Jesus. Because the God of the universe and all of his power and his knowledge and his might, he chose to humble himself and become a little baby boy so that he could demonstrate to us how to live. You ever wonder like why God chose the storyline he did? Like he could have snapped his fingers and redeemed humankind, right? Like why did he choose the storyline that he did? We don't know for certain, but I got to think two things. One, it demonstrated this miraculous story over centuries of time of you getting to see and witness the depth of his pursuit of you. And two, that that pursuit demonstrated the depth of his love for you. And so if you ask me why I'm a follower of Jesus, it's because he came for me, was willing to lay down everything. If you're too far from God, if you're too broken or you're too hurt or you're too deviant or you're too angry, whatever it is, I want to tell you, he came for you. That you might know he's pursuing you and that he loves you. Number two, if you're taking notes and want to experience the love of Jesus, know that he brings peace to you. Shalom is the Hebrew phrase, the peace of God to you. In a world where we see anger and vitriol and violence all the time, he came to bring peace. Look what it says, verse 12. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts, can you picture it, appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And this peace wasn't just for one time or one person or even one political party or one generation, but it was for everybody for all time. And his peace wasn't just to give them land back. It was peace with God in here. So that no matter what you're facing, you can know regardless of your circumstances, you are not alone. He is with you. And you can face whatever it is that you're facing. What I'm about to show you is the first time, I believe we've shown this since 2018. It's the only other time we showed this that Christmas Eve. Because I can't think of a better example of someone who demonstrated how to live as a follower of Jesus, as a young person, willing to have the peace of God despite his circumstances, than Tyler Trent. If you're not familiar with Tyler Trent, he was a super fan of Purdue. His family is actually local here in the city of Carmel. I actually wrote his, his mom today just to encourage her and thank her that her son's story is still making an impact all these years later. We didn't know it at the time, but we were interviewing him weeks before he would pass away on July 1st, or January 1st, 2019. And we got there that day. He was in great pain. He was dying of cancer, if you're unfamiliar with Tyler's story. And in this time with him, I look back and I'm still blown away that he was willing to do an interview and to share the things that he shared. Let's watch this uh, short video clip together. Uh, This is Tyler Trent.
such an inspiration to so many people. I mean, I know you know that, but just the strength you have is incredible. You have strength that most people don't have. And I wanted to find out where does that strength come from? Where do you find the motivation and ability to, to power through what you've been through? Yeah, no, all my strength comes from my faith in Jesus Christ. That's incredible. I, you know, I don't know that I could have that kind of strength and faith like you do. And I think it's a real inspiration to people during Christmas time that need hope like that. Christmas time is about when we celebrate that God's with us. He was born into the world, that He cared enough about us. He didn't give up on us, even though we rebelled against Him. So how could you say after everything you've been through, battling cancer this long, struggling through what you've had to struggle through, how could you still say that God is with you even in these hard times? Yeah, no, but this is all I have been at the time. Um, he still blessed me through everything I, that I have been through. Hard and easy. That's incredible. To look at your life and say, God has blessed you with all the things that you've been through, the good and the bad. And I mean, that's just encouraging to me. And the reality is that your daily life these last couple of months, being all over television, it's probably the day-to-day -day life has been really difficult and hard, I'm sure. How is God in those moments, in those hard moments, what's it look like for God to be present with you? Yeah, it's like putting water every single day. It's like gambling. You never know. I know. I woke up this morning, how, how it's going to feel. And you praise God in both, man. Exactly. And so what, you know, Christmas time, we're filming this just a little bit before Christmas. How could you encourage anyone out there that might see this about how to find hope this Christmas and the things that they're facing in their life? Um, just find out where your faith lies and rely on that. Um, you know, I don't know where it lies, um, wherever it may be. At Christmas time, for you to be able to face all this and say that you put your faith in Jesus, it's an inspiration. And I, I hope that people who watch this get to see the impact that God has used you to make in this world. And he could do that for so many more people. And so just thank you, man, on behalf of you know, millions of Americans, thank you that you're willing to speak up and, and, and live your faith out in that way and to have that kind of courage and strength. such an inspiring story, but the reality is he was more than just a story. It was real. That someone who lived a very short time was able to make such an impact because he was willing to acknowledge that he, God was with him, even in his pain and suffering. 
I don't know what your circumstances find you in today, but I want to tell you that hundreds of years before Jesus was born, they prophetically told about the coming of the Messiah. And it said this in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. When he was born, he came to bring peace. They called him the Prince of Peace, that you could have the shalom, the peace of God in your life, no matter what it is that you're facing. The greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on for, uh, and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. That Tyler was able to face those things because he had the peace, the shalom of God with him, whatever he was facing. And the question I want to ask you is, if you forget everything else this afternoon, do you have peace with God? For the person in here that is worried as you close out the end of the year financially, do you have the peace of God with you and what you're facing? For the person that is in here and is facing Christmas without a loved one for the first time, do you have the peace of God with you and what you're facing? I'm not asking, do you have worries? I'm saying, do you have the shalom of God to face those worries with? Because the truth is, most Americans today, if we're being honest, there's no shame in this room. The answer is no. (laughs) No, I'm, I'm frantically worried about a lot of stuff. And I want to encourage you. The peace of God is for everyone who will receive it. He is the Prince of Peace, the Mighty Counselor. And Tyler was able to face that because he made him Lord of his life. Now, there is a response to this. The third and final part about experiencing the love of Jesus is that number three, he requires your worship then. You received the gift because he was crucified on the cross, overcoming, atoning for our sin and wrongdoing. And he rose from the the grave, overcoming death itself, that anybody gets to live eternally in heaven one day, which is what that was talking about, sitting on the throne. His throne is not just for a generation, it's eternal. That anybody that surrenders their life to Jesus gets to spend eternity with God and experience that peace forever. It's amazing. But it requires worship and submission to him. So usually when we think about worship, we think about music, but worship is to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. Look at the the first people that got to hear about the birth of Jesus, the the social outcasts, the shepherds again. Look with me in verse 15. When the angels had left them, the shepherds, and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. They're like, hey, hey, that was pretty cool, wasn't it? Yeah, that was amazing. Let's Let's go to Bethlehem. You want to go to Bethlehem? Yeah, we'll go to that family. They just had a baby and they don't know us and we haven't cleaned ourselves. Let's go there. I think they'd like us to hang out. Isn't isn't that like a weird scenario? Like who would want, how many moms out there, you just had a baby. How many of you want the shepherds showing up on your doorstep? And yet this is the miraculous story that occurs as God connects seemingly people that have nothing to do with one another, with each other. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. Remember the humility of God, by the way, the manger was essentially a feeding trough for the animals. And when they get to the scene, we don't know exactly what the 
the stable or the place where the animals looked like. Some scholars say it was probably a, a cave in the back of the house. Others say it was actually kind of a room that you added on to the home that had like an open door that the animals could come in and out of. Either way, it's where the animals stayed and the baby was placed in the, 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 the hay place where the, the animals would feed from. And that's how the savior of the world came. It continues on verse 17. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Their only response these uneducated guys, their only response was to worship and glorify God. And I believe it's because it's that act of submission and devotion to the Lord that you say, I'm yours. I receive what you have done for me, the gift that you have given me of peace and joy in my life, that you came for me despite my brokenness, to remember that he is Emmanuel, God with us. What if this year, you don't just know of God, but you actually worshiped him. That you worshiped him with your life. You devoted your life to him. I remember when I was 19 years old and somebody told me that and I was just like, that's crazy. And then I, I did it and I've made a lot of really dumb decisions in my life. And that was not one of them. Over the last uh, couple, 25 years or so, it's been incredible to see what God has done. And I just want to tell you, if you're here today and, and you forget everything else about the Christmas story, I want you to know that he was born into the world because God has been pursuing you and he wants you to know the depth of his love for you. And some of you have reasons that you don't submit and to follow God because you're like, I don't want to change this. And like, this isn't really possible. And I've, some of you, you've chased other things instead, whether it be romantic relationships, drugs, alcohol. Some of you just get really busy with your professional careers. All the things that we do to actually avoid what God wants to do in our lives right now. To acknowledge his presence with us right now. And I want to tell you, that if you're alone this Christmas, God of the universe is with you. If you're here today and you've got plenty of family, but you feel alone on the inside, I want you to know that God is with you and he is not done with you. And he is yet to do the miraculous in your life because we don't serve a natural God. We serve a supernatural God. And I want to give you an example of that. Because sometimes we think that God doesn't really work the way that he used to work. And now, you know, that's, Christianity is just kind of like one religion. And we just want to be good people. No, I want to tell you, I believe this to be real and authentic and life-changing. Just last week, we had a child dedications here at the church. And we dedicated a, a, a young girl named Nasiah. And you probably didn't even notice this. Her parents, uh, Levi and Gail Mobilama, uh, actually grew up in uh, the Congo. And they went to high school together. And then they both came to the States and saw each other again and ended up falling for one another. And they, they wanted to get married, but their, their families wouldn't approve of it. We actually have a, a picture of the child dedication. And uh, they, they said that uh, we couldn't approve of this because through a series of different events, they actually found out that they both genetically would have over a 95% chance. Essentially, it was impossible for them to not have a child that didn't have sickle cell a debilitating disease. And so they were like, we can't approve of you getting married. And they just felt like, but God is in this. 
and we prayed with them in a prayer room. And, and my wife was telling me this story. And, and, and Levi, years earlier, just had this vision that they would get married and they would have this, this child and it would be a daughter. And she would be healthy and have no issues. And so they made the decision that they were gonna just pursue what they felt God was calling them to. And it was a big deal because to the, to, in their culture, to not do what your parents are telling you to do, to not be obedient to your parents is like a really, really big deal. It's not like America, right? Like they actually still are well-behaved and they wanna honor their parents. And, and they, but they just felt the strong calling this is what God wants. And at the very last moment, their parents actually said, okay, we give in, we, we approve and we support you in your decision. They got married and then they got pregnant naturally. And I'm excited to say, Nasiah does not have sickle cells. She's a completely healthy child with mathematically and scientifically was nearly impossible. And, and we prayed for that specific thing years in advance. And I believe that God heard those prayers and they named her Nasiah, which means miracle of God. Because God is still moving. And so if you're in here today and you're like, I could never be one of those Christians that actually lives a devoted life and worships God and does all that stuff because I got this thing in my past or I'm addicted to drugs or alcohol or I've got this broken relationship. I have this shame in my past. I have this thing that happened to me. I've got all these reasons it could never happen. I'm not one of those people. I want you to know the depth of your love, the love your heavenly father has for you. He is going to pursue you and pursue you and pursue you until your very last breath. And he is not going to give up on you. And he is not some wimpy dad. He is a supernatural dad that created the heavens and the earth, that knitted you together in your mother's womb, that knows every hair on your head, and he can handle whatever it is that you're facing. All that he asks, all that he asks is that you open the greatest gift you've ever been received. Ken Griffey Jr. has got nothing on this gift takes submitting and saying, I receive the gift of salvation that you've given your life for me, Jesus. You desire to be Emmanuel with me and whatever it is in my facing, both in the good circumstances and in the hard ones like Tyler faced. I don't worship a God of circumstances or outcomes. I worship the one true God and I devote my life to him regardless of the results. If you say, I want the type of life that I can have the shalom of God and both the good and the bad, that I'm never alone, that he is with me, I want to give you the opportunity to devote your life to him right now. Will you pray with me? God, I imagine there are some in the room who have been around you for a long time, maybe even have known this story of Christmas, but they've never really devoted their life to you. They haven't surrendered to you and worshiped you. Or maybe they've just never heard of God and so they've never received just this amazing gift of salvation to live with you eternally in heaven and experience your spirit right now that's in the room with us and you have been pursuing them and pursuing them and for the first time they're going to let down their barrier. Either way, if that's you in the room and you'd like to commit your life to Jesus as Lord, I invite you to pray this silently as I pray it out loud. God, I confess that I'm not perfect. And I need you, Jesus, your gift of salvation. And so on this day, December 24th, 2023, I submit my life to you. I call you Lord and I worship you. And I receive openly the gift of forgiveness 
and grace and mercy that you ask and offer. God, you know those that truly prayed that right now. And so just as an act of surrender to God, I'm going to invite you right now just to, to raise your hand and say, I just prayed and I've surrendered my life to Jesus. Just as an act of surrender, raise it nice and high if you want to submit fully to him as Lord. And we want to celebrate that here in the room. I see you in the back, man. Thank you for that. Praise God. I'll look over to my left over here. Anybody else? Praise God for you, man. Pray this with me, God. I thank you for that person that raised their hand right in the back. Uh, we worship you. We submit to your will. Now I pray, God, you to help them take next steps of faith to become the person you created them to be. We worship you, Jesus. We thank you for this opportunity. We submit to you. Pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen, amen.